when we're on offense and they're on defenses, their defense is not the same Alabama defense. They still have a lot of speed, but let's not forget the Matt Corral and the gang of folks that they've got out there at Mississippi got almost 600 yards and 48 points on them. Now, part of that is Lane Kiffin throwing literally the kitchen sink at them, but there were drives where those tight ends were just like, I mean, wanting to call home, they were lonesome. That's how alone they were. They do that with a guy like Trey McKitty or Washington or Fitzpatrick, for that matter. We're going to eat their lunch. Now, they won't do it every drive, but that's there. And we've seen Bennett be able to make those throws. What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 248 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm joined today by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller. And this is the Georgia-Alabama Preview Show 2020 edition. We've done a few of these big-time dogs versus tied matchup shows throughout the past five years of this podcast, three of them to be exact. And on those three previous episodes, they felt a little bit more pressurized, more feeling like we needed to talk ourselves into why we felt Georgia belonged in a conversation with Alabama. But this year feels kind of different. One, because it's a regular season matchup and not for the SEC or national championship. But two, because Kirby has had more time to stack recruiting classes and develop five-star depth at most positions. The playing field definitely feels a little bit more level. But in each team's first three games this season, Bama's offense has shown that it's hard to stop, while Georgia's defense has been a legitimate wrecking crew. So chances are one of those has to give this weekend. The three of us make our predictions on the game in this episode, and I'll go ahead and tell you there's not a consensus amongst Will, Tony, and myself that the dogs are going to come out with a victory. But thanks for tuning us in today. This is the part of the intro where I'll typically give you a heads up on any audio issues that you might experience as a listener on this show. And yeah, we're again outside on my back deck today. Uh, The crickets and nightlife can be heard in the background, which is nice. But let's just say there's a dog who for the first 30 minutes is very dedicated to his skill of a consistent cadence of barking. So just wanted to give you a heads up on that. And let's just jump on into it. Enough of the intro. The Dogs versus the Crimson Tide is almost here, and we're here to talk about it. So, hope you enjoy episode 248. So, the guy whose uh, house I stayed in in Pasadena, who's a huge Dodgers fan, texted me today. He's like, it's over. I'm like, dude, y'all are just going to win in six games instead yeah, six, of five now. Dodgers. The, the, the I don't Dodgers know if, are too good. Look, I don't know if the Dodgers are going to, are uh, like, it's over, but, like, yeah. Well, if the Braves get to count two, them out if, at your peril. If the, well, it's 7-0 now. Yeah. But if the Braves win this game, it, it makes me feel like the Braves have a chance as opposed to yeah. – Last night's win was like okay, right? So it's a it's four to one instead of four zero, because that is a tough Dodgers team. Now it could be the Dodgers are not playing well, and the Braves are playing really well at just the right time, which is what happens. And it also helps when um, Kershaw is scratched. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. Bueller with the blister, although he was great. Yeah, last night. By the way, that was fun. I appreciate you setting yeah, that up. That was fun. That was good. Oh yeah, that was. That was Let's really tell good. the listeners. Yeah. We just spoke with uh, the Alabama football podcast. Dave Osmet had us on his uh, podcast. It was great. It tested my knowledge to be able to think on my feet and remember the names of players and positions correctly. But, uh, but I, think I suppose we all our, our I suppose our, our neural line of like, crap that we're like, usually just tossing. Yeah, that guy that plays that that position behind the line. Tony, what did you do last Friday night? I went and watched the Oconee County Band march, but I went to Pebble, Maine afterwards. 
I went to Pueblo, Maine. I guess we just missed each other. Oh, wow. Uh, the wife and the kids and I, we sat outside on a lovely uh, picnic table where they, they've added a whole bunch more out there. And the kids are always happy with the burgers. They got the cheeseburgers and the fries. And then my wife and I, we decided to split the sweet chili and avocado sandwich. Now, we went with the chicken instead of the hamburger, and it was amazing. And the best thing about it was we got the duck fat fries. Is that what they do there? The, the, they're fried in duck fat and have rosemary. They're and fantastic. Also, they have fries. Like They have like a special fry. It was the uh, it was chorizo fries this week. They, mm-hmm. A lot of times they'll put some brisket over the top of them. It's great stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just one of the the, the many uh, restaurants that SP2 Hospitality has. Of course, you hear us talk about El Barrio and the Pine Bar, and the Pine Bar, is they've changed their menu to tapas, and El Barrio is right next door, and you've got the lovely patio. It's going to be great weather this weekend, uh, kind of fall-like. I think it's going to be in the highs in the 60s, lows in the 40s. So if you're looking to get some food uh, to take to your tailgate or just to do some pre-tailgating eating before you get to the tailgate, uh, I can't think of any uh, better place than either El Barrio, Pub on Main, or the Pine Bar. I agree with all of those things. <laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't been to the Pine Bar since they switched over to Tapas. Um, we are huge fans of El Barrio. We're huge fans of Pub on Main. Um, like I said, the wife and I went there with uh, with some friends, actually, some band parents. Scott Michaud, former uh, writer for the Augusta Herald, golf writer, and his wife and I, and my wife went and had a couple of drinks, had a little, uh, had a little nosh while waiting on the kids to finish up the football game uh, on Friday night. Um, it is a, it's a standard go-to for us uh, at, at Pub Main, and um, the kids actually the other day were asking us, "Hey, where are we going back to that uh, taco place where we can sit outside and play putt putt?" And that's we're talking about El Barrio there. Um, they do a great job. Outside, easily, easily social distance spaces uh, at uh, at those places, and uh, cannot cannot say. And trust me, this guy likes some food. Cannot say enough about it. Um, um, I, I will say that just to kind of get us started off. Uh, you know, one thing that Tony and I have kind of talked about when we were walking up here. It is Alabama week, but it doesn't feel like Alabama week. It doesn't say it doesn't feel like a big game, but it doesn't feel like game of the century right. week, right? And there's obviously a variety of reasons for that. There's COVID, there is there's the fact that it's it's a weird year. There's a fact that like whoever loses is probably gonna get a rematch in the SEC championship game. It doesn't feel like this is end of the world. Like clearly the last two times they played Alabama, if you win, amazing things happen. And if you lose, you'll never forget that you lost. So those those are the last two games. That's not the case with this game. If they lose this game, uh, if they win this game, awesome. But you're just gonna have to go get them again uh, in 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 late Dece- yeah. mid December. Whereas if you lose this game, you get a shot at them. So I think that's changing it. And I would say, you know, a large part of this is wanting to get over the Alabama hump at some point, right? Getting over that hump to me is not beating them in a regular season game and then losing them in the SEC championship game. Getting over the hump is. Beating them in the SEC championship game, and or eliminating them in playoffs or something. Them in playoffs right. or something. Yeah. But like the idea, and listen, there's a non-zero possibility this team could these teams could play three times this year. <laughs> like, like who knows, right? There's no Big Twelve. Like, like, honestly, like no one from the Big Twelve is making the playoff. Uh, you don't believe in Iowa State? I know if it's yeah. Iowa State. Uh, Pac-12. It's going to be hard to actually justify uh, a team, even if they go undefeated, for them making the playoff. If there's ever a year that the that if these two if Alabama and and Georgia split 
in this and the SEC championship game, obviously weird things are going to happen. But if they split in these games and they're both close, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason you wouldn't see it. They yeah, would both, I think both you both playoffs. go. Yeah. So that would be a fun way for this year to go down, right? There'd be uh, uh, 12 games. And a quarter of them would be Alabama games. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there, look, there's a world where one team or the other lose two close games and still makes the playoffs, right? Like, a, 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 I mean, a nine and two, let's say Alabama for sake of discussion, a nine and two Alabama that loses to eleven and zero Georgia twice, once at home by two points. Once in the SEC championship game by seven points. Yeah, um, then, then you need you need a Pac-12 to be no Pac-12 team, no Big 12 team. I would I can make the argument that even even a seven-win Pac-12 team, unless it's Oregon, maybe you don't you just don't take that. If no one's undefeated in the Pac-12, I think uh, yeah, I, that's that's, that's, on, the the that's on the table. That's on the table. Yeah, so. but, but I mean, again, that and I say all that to be like, wow, these eighty magical things will happen to allow this to happen. It's more to the point that like. It feels like the stakes to this game. Obviously, it's Alabama, and obviously, it's a big deal when you play at Alabama. Um, but it doesn't feel end of the world the way that a lot of Georgia Alabama games have felt like end of the world. Yeah, it's funny. I, I got a text from our friend Seth Wilson, a um, Jeopardy champion, Seth Wilson, earlier, yeah. asking if we thought this was a bellwether game. And one of the things we'll mention that when we were walking up, we we're talking about this. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like, I mean, it's a big game. It's it's a two versus three game. It feels like staky in the way that does, but it doesn't feel like some of the other Georgia Alabama games. And I'm okay with that. Um, part do, of it. Do you think that some of the the luster was taken out? The fact that Lane showed how many points he could score on it, or does that have anything to do? with I it? don't think it has anything to do with that at all. I mean. I, I, that makes me more freaked out about this game. Yeah. But it has everything to do with the fact that one of the things we'll hit on is that the stakes in this game are different. It's just a regular season game. Um, had this been, I mean, maybe if we're a 12 game season where all the other things are happening and, you know, we still have the, the focus. And, and we could be wrong about this, right? We could be in a situation where one SEC team makes it, even if it is, even there's a one loss SEC uh, runner up. Right, I mean, this could be potentially. It could be a national championship semifinal. But there's two things going right now. First off, um, the, the the 15 game had different stakes because the Alabama dynasty was dead. Georgia's ascendant, and still the last game that Alabama has not been favored. The last game, still Alabama's, last game not, Alabama's been not been favored. And in hindsight, you look at that game and it's like that was a massive game for the University of Georgia. It's a massive game for the University of Alabama, whether they want to admit it or not. It's a massive game for Kirby Smart. I mean, it was kind of a big deal for the history of this podcast. Um, I mean, it is a it is. If I mean, listen, for crying out loud, Seth Emerson just wrote a whole book about this. And how does yeah. it generally start? It generally starts with fifteen games. <laughs> it generally starts with the idea. Like, does it specifically start with that game? But that is the pivot moment. <laughs> At that moment, that was the moment you realize, oh. We're never going to catch mm-hmm. up if you say it like this. Yeah, everybody and everybody knew it, and everybody saw it. This game feels different now. In hindsight, this game could feel exactly the same way. We could go to Tuscaloosa and beat the doors off of them. We could go over there and lose the same way and start a downward spiral that changes the entire trajectory. I don't think any of us think that's going to happen. I don't think either one way. of those things are going to happen. Right? Yeah, so that's and that's when I when when Seth sent me the question, it really made me think about. Why do I feel like this game, while exciting, 
while I wish I were going, it feels like another regular season game. And I want us to win badly. Um, and the, the stakes are a touch higher because it's a probable SEC championship preview. Um, if we lose, it makes the game in Jacksonville that much more important. But if we win, it almost makes the game in Jacksonville irrelevant, irrelevant I mean, right? Um, probably. 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 Well, maybe maybe it's this way. Think about O two. 2 We played uh, Alabama at Alabama. That was Billy Bennett kicking field goals. Fred Gibson. That was the man enough game, right? That was the man enough game. But Georgia went 10-2 and two that year, finished like third in the country. 07, we won in Alabama. That was Matthew Stafford and Mikey Henderson. Georgia went 10 and 2 and finished second in the country. Yeah. So, that's because we couldn't beat South Carolina. Perhaps the thing, yeah, exactly. Perhaps the reason why you're saying it, it feels kind of like another game, is because we've kind of done this before. It's just it, it happened before the rise of Saban and he became Cobra Commander. And then when he became Cobra Commander, we couldn't beat him with our sky strikers or you know <laughs> anything like that. And I'm, I'm giving my you know GI Joe references, but but maybe that's it. Maybe that's why you know it's like a bell curve. It, you know, it's we're on the back end of that curve because Saban doesn't scare you like he used to. Scare one way or the other. The fact remains, Kirby Smart's here because of Alabama in every possible way. Uh, what he did at Alabama, mm-hmm. Georgia wanting to be Alabama, what Alabama has done to Georgia, why people are skeptical of Kirby Smart sometimes in a way that we all disagree with, but nationally speaking is still there because of mistakes that he made against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like th- th- This is – go ahead. I don't know if you've heard, but none of Saban's former assistants have ever beaten him. I've heard that. <laughs> I have heard that. And, and so for me, like, that's the – like, I know that Georgia can still accomplish all of its goals, as I think we've used that construction before, if they lose this game. It's not over. It doesn't mean this team's failure. It doesn't mean anything like that at all. But Alabama is the reason that Georgia football is what it is right now. Like, there's just no – that's what Georgia's trying to be. It's what they're trying to become. It's what many people for years have thought Georgia could become, perhaps even more easily than Alabama became it. Like, that's what they're trying to do. It is a measuring stick game. It's always been a measuring stick game. It's just that usually when it's a measuring stick game, it's for a national championship or an <laughs> yeah. SEC championship. Now it's a measuring stick game in the middle of the season. And I think that, that it, it both minimizes and maximizes its importance. It's a huge, huge game in a macro sense. In a micro sense, it might not mean as much. I feel like it means more for what Georgia football is and what we're trying to do as opposed to if they lose this game, Oh no! This season's over. Well, I it's mean, not. to be fair, next week's game versus Kentucky is a whole lot more important for Georgia to win than even this week's game against Alabama. Every game, this, that's this like to me, that's because it's it, East. Isn't that the great irony of this game? It's probably the game they need to win the least. Actually, that's probably right, and maybe that's why this game feels differently. Um, uh, I, like if you if you have them lose, I mean, if, if we're gonna lose one game. That's the way. Florida, Alabama. Obviously, you'd rather lose Alabama. Absolutely. Well, I mean, this. I, I mean, I'm not trying to give away what I'm going to say at the end of the podcast, but I said we were going to be nine and one, <laughs> and we're going to win the East. So, I mean, it's not hard to figure out how this game plays out in the in the in the big picture. Um, I mean, I think the one thing I will say to that is that how how we win or lose this game does matter, right? If we we get our eyes beat in. Um, or, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I, we get our eyes beat in, I guess the right way of putting it, 
you know, you you do invite a lot of the, oh, well, there's Georgia with that offense thing again. Yep. And there's, uh, well, defense no longer wins championships in the SEC or anywhere else. Um, maybe, maybe the SEC has become the Big 12. Maybe the SEC and has behind. Become, and Georgia's still SEC, right? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, you're not, I mean, you're not wrong in saying that. Um, and, and you're not wrong in thinking that if maybe if that's where you are. I mean, I'll probably argue against that Sunday if that happens. Uh, but, you know, the, the thing that I keep coming back to with this game is that, like the 15 game, do not go listen to the podcast. The 15 game, I, there was a level of, I, I squinted, I held my left leg up, and I looked, if you like, see just the right way, we can sneak out a win, right? I mean, the, probably the last post I have on the Georgia Sports Blog says, I'm not afraid of Alabama, and I'm not. I mean, maybe it's bravado, I don't know, but there's two things we have totally different than we had in 2015. First is coaching, second is, in, is mentality because of coaching. Now, we have different talent, and that's, but that has everything to do with coaching. Um, I knew there would come a time when Kudrow's a better coach from a guy's ready to play week in, week out than under Rick. We reached that in 17. Um, I knew there would come a time when we were out, we'd, we'd be, out, be able to out-talent or match-talent with everybody else under Kirby Smart. I think we're there. Um, the one place that I didn't sure I wasn't sure how long it would take us to get to where we would be able to match in-game or halftime adjustments, because Rick was pretty good at that. Uh, Rick's coaching staff, say Willie Martinez and certainly um, Sean Hummer, we were good at, at making adjustments. Kirby Smart's reached that, right? What we've seen is in the second half from both teams, yeah, it has a lot to do with talent, but it also has to do with doing different things. We're, we're not slowly beholden to a game plan or to what um, – I mean, I, I talked last week about James Coley, right? He gets one thing that works. He's going to go that well 17 times. We saw that last week. We saw it last week. And that's not what Kirby Smart does. I guarantee you Kirby Smart went in that in a halftime, and he was mad about not getting a touchdown there. He was just as mad about the pass, the, the blow up on those two pass plays. He was just as mad about the fumble. He was just as mad about a missed blocking assignment on third and five where we got a first down. And that attention to detail is the what's different between Kirby Smart and Mark Rick. Frankly, that's why Kirby Smart's here. And we'll see that across the field this week. Really, just probably on two or three other coaches we'll see that ever see that across the field with. Jeremy Pruitt's probably one of them if he ever figures out to wear a gator. But um, he's or, not particularly close. <laughs> but, he, but look, look, I will tell you that of all the coaches in the SEC that could get there, Jeremy Pruitt scares me more than Dan Mullen. I mean, Dan Mullen. Hey, by the way, I don't know if you saw today, yeah. but I think the reason Dan Mullen won a full crowd at the, at the Swamp is he needs football players. Um, that, uh, five, five, five cases? Five cases? Five confirmed. Rumors are 19, right? I mean, they're they're on the verge of not being able to field a team against LSU, which is a shame because <laughs> – Well, will they cancel the game? Yeah, they'll, yeah, yeah. they'll move it. They'll I mean, move if they've 100%. already moved – we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this, but with right. Vanderbilt uh, – Vanderbilt, Missouri. You know what would be be great is uh, they might would. Yeah, he was here last week. Uh, Uh, What they might would be playing the week before Georgia on uh, Halloween, and that way they don't get their their off week. Listen, I I do not want to diverge to Georgia, Florida, but um, I guess we probably can talk about Florida, Texas A&M a little bit. But anything that we can do to make it harder where Florida Bros can cry, I'm here for. Um, Now, having said all of that. Um, getting back to the game at hand, I, I am 
there is no doubt whatsoever that Nick Saban is and will remain, as long as he's coaching, a better coach than Kirby Smart. And I don't think that's provocative to say Nick Saban is, if not top two or three, certainly top five all-time head college football coaches. Um, Kirby Smart could eventually be in that group, right? He's not now. And so it's not provocative to say that Kirby, that, that, Nick's, that Kirby Smart has to do it better in order to be on par at the minimum with Nick Saban. Our team is as talented as their team. It just is. Um, and, and we'll get into the offensive, offense versus defense in a minute. Um, I think our defense is certainly as – I mean, strength on strength. Our defense is number one with a bullet right now, um, whether you look at advanced stats or actual stats. Same with their, their offense. Their offense is number one with a bullet, whether you look at advanced stats or regular stats. Was, they left – they didn't gain like 70 of uh, seventy possible yards in the Mississippi game. Like there were 70 yards they left on the field the whole game. I think, they, I think they had 12 drives and they scored touchdowns on nine of them. They yeah. scored 63 points. And yeah. they would have they, scored on 10 had Najee Harris not fumbled at the one-yard line. Yeah, they had a, a, I, I think I saw they had a, a turnover on the one and – like kicked a field goal or had a turnover on downs or something. I think right? uh, what was the, the, the they came thirteen yards short of having the maximum thirteen yards. What it was, yeah, that's maximum right. Maximum right. number of yeah. yards that you could have had. What that <laughs> offense scares me. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, look at the drive chart that Lane put up on them of like seventy yards, seventy-five yards, eighty yards, sixty-five yards. Would be one of the fun things about watching that game. Lane was pedaling as fast as he could in that game. He threw out an option play at some point. Like, it was so He's an fun. American treasure. I have to say, like, he is so perfect for Mississippi. Like, I tell you, if, I, I honestly believe it's the perfect place for him. Yeah. And, yes. And, and I mean, he could go 6-6 six and six for five years, and they'll still love him. Yeah, but, like, the, and, but it'll also give him the freedom to do, like, they'll never give him any crap about it. And one of those years, he's going to get, one of these years, he's going to roll aces every game. And like it just, and I I have to say it is. I know we're all supposed to hate all the other coaches. I love Lane Kiffin. I love Lane yes. Kiffin. And I don't I, want I, him to I be my coach. But I don't yes. want him to be Georgia's coach. Yes, but would I want him to be Illinois' coach? <laughs> oh yeah, would I love him to be Illinois' coach? <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so yeah, I think that uh, and I would love him. I'm, my good friend Will Haraway is a diehard Ole Miss guy, and he is he's just in uh, in big heaven. He is as happy in the world to be able to have him as a yeah. There's a really great article on the Athletic that Andy Staples wrote. If you have 25 minutes to read it, he basically. <laughs> I don't like the snide way you said that. I, I read, I got through about two thirds of it, but he he breaks down Lane's. I mean, 700 words is a lot. Offensive strategy <laughs> with screen grabs, and the biggest thing to me was how he's lining his wide receivers outside of the numbers to go ahead and take those defensive players pretty much out of the play to where he's playing six on six or five on five. And that's where all these guys got open. And then a couple of the Alabama defensive backs started freelancing a little bit, trying to undercut routes. That's why Yaboa, the tight end for Ole Miss, had such a big game. And it's another thing uh, that Saban benched a couple of them. And then he's got an issue coming up in the first half because Jordan Battle uh, got a targeting right at the end of the game. And Jordan Battle, one of their top defensive uh, uh, cornerbacks or safeties uh, out there, he's not going to be playing in the first half. And that, that's something that you know that Munkin and Kirby are going to try to exploit early and often. You think Todd Munkin subscribes to the Athletic? Do you think Kyrus Jackson and George Pickens going to line up a little wider than we've seen? I'd like to see that. It wouldn't hurt my feelings. Yeah. 
Um, so I think it's a good time to kind of jump into matchups. This is the first, in my mind, this is the first game where we really need to purely look at matchups rather than just to kind of talk about strength on strength. I, I mentioned earlier that Georgia's defense is number one with the bullet in the nation. Um, Georgia currently is sporting uh, 7.1 SP plus defense, which is top three all time. Um, the cool part about that is that uh, Georgia has dropped almost three points off of their their preseason SP plus. If, if you're not familiar with how Bill Conley computes that, um, basically he, as the season goes along, he rolls out uh, each game into the season. He rolls out. I think he does first five games. Um, he rolls out last season's and recruiting stats as a part of that, which means Georgia has improved three points. They were number one to start the season. They were number one to end last season at 10 points. So um, Georgia is being historically good at preventing explosive plays, at creating havoc, making offensive offenses get behind the chains, essentially. Um, Alabama's offense, on the other hand, is – basically looking like last year's LSU defense. Um, And I know a lot of you are like, oh, great. We saw what happened there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I think the thing that is most impressive about Georgia's offense to me, and when you're talking about Georgia's offense, is Georgia's offense has not had the explosion the rest of the SEC, many of the other SEC offenses have had, and I'm fine with that. Um, the one thing that, that I looked for out of Todd Monken was a, a difference in philosophy, uh, particularly as it relates to spreading the ball around, giving multiple looks, and not just multiple looks, but getting the ball to your playmakers in space. We're seeing a lot of that. And oh, by the way, for a guy that's 5'10", Stetson Bennett is top two or three in the nation at throwing the ball down the middle. I don't know if you noticed Richard what Richard Johnson posted on Sunday. Alabama's getting eat up in the middle by Texas A&M and got eat up in the middle by uh, Mississippi. Oldest, yeah. Right? Um, now that doesn't really mean anything for this game other than I bet Todd Monken knows that. And it's a game where those tight ends, especially Kyrus Jackson running over the middle, can really make hay. Um, do not be surprised also when you start seeing that. Those cornerbacks start freelancing, which means you get – one-on-one matchups, particularly with outside leverage, which Pickens. Um, yeah, because he's been kind of quiet this year. He has been quiet because he's been – there have been a lot of bracketed coverages on him, a lot of man on the line, a lot of chucking him on the line. And I, I watched some of the Tennessee game. I think – I think – frankly, I think some teams are using his um, spirited approach to play against him <laughs> uh, and are trying to get in his head a little bit. And I think that's making him run bad routes. Now, if I see that, that means uh, who's our t- who's our wide receiver coach? Couldn't tell you. Doesn't uh, matter. Is it Hankton? Maybe maybe it's Cortez Hankton. Um, he sees that. And he's talked to him about it. Um, we can't see many more of him squirting water on quarterbacks on the sideline, right? Um, that that crap's got to stop. But um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him break out in this game a little bit, especially if those quarterbacks start freelancing. If they can give him the ball, if the guy can give him the ball. And to me, that brings us to the real question of this game, which is can, like, Alabama's offense is obviously not going to do what it did against Mississippi. 
Oh, if they do, it's, it's a foregone conclusion, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they do with anything against Mississippi, Georgia's going to lose by 30 points. <laughs> well, about 30, but yeah, <laughs> but, certainly more than 15. And um, But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think anyone thinks it's going to happen. Um, I definitely think Georgia will give up uh, um, uh, <clears throat> fewer than the maximum number of yards yes. that Mississippi gave up. Uh, but that said, um, what's a number for Alabama's offense? You talked about it, it looks, it looks like a little bit like LSU's offense uh, from last year so far. What's a number that we feel like, okay, good job, Georgia defense, uh, you held them to this number of points? Is that number 24? Is that number 31? I was thinking 24, no- 27. Yeah. So the question is, can Stetson Bennett, a Stetson Bennett run offense, score 28 points against an Alabama defense? I think yes. I don't know if he can score 35, if that makes sense. I think that's a that's a fair it's a fair point, and that is the thing that I keep. That's the thing that keeps worrying me, right? Um, if you had asked me at the beginning of the season what this game was going to look like, I thought with Mac Jones, Alabama's offense is going to look a little more like Georgia's this year. Like I expected Georgia's look this year. Um, a, a fair amount of um, a fair amount of trying to control the ball with shots. Um, that's not been Alabama's offense. Alabama's offense is like, let's go, 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 go. Baby. Let's go, go, go. Yeah. Right? Even if they're running the ball. And Najee Harris is, he's the wild card in this yeah. game. I, I mean, I firmly believe the game is won and lost on how well our, our quarterbacks play on their receivers. But the wild card is Najee Harris. If, if, if we make it hard for them to run the football, we take that away from them early. That means that they've got to throw the ball, which means we can let Ojolari. I mean, we, I mean, one of the greatest quotes I saw this week was uh, an opposing SEC Offensive coordinator or offensive coach said, "It's crazy. They bring pressure from different looks and don't really even—they're aggressive without even stressing themselves." I know that sounds like jumbo shrimp, but it's true, or something like that, right? It's like they—they they take, they take chances. Jumbo shrimp. Oh yeah. Well, it's they take chances. Yeah, it's an oxymoron. Just, just it's an oxymoron. By they, the way, by the way, listeners, we hear the dog. Yeah, it, it's you, you hear it. We hear it. We hear it. it. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but what, you know, kind of what I was saying there is that you, um, if we're able to play our base defense, we're able to send, we're able to rush for and blitz occasionally or blitz a lot, but with just one guy without bringing obvious blitz, uh, because we're able to hem up Najee Harris with those front four. You you put Mac Jones in a situation where he might be throwing the ball down the field a lot, but he also might be throwing into double coverage a lot. Well, and uh, another stat that kind of jumped off the page for me is Georgia's defense thus far has allowed four runs of 10 yards or more and zero runs of 20 yards or more. And if you watch the Alabama-Mississippi game like I did, uh, Najee Harris had probably five or six runs of 20 yards or more and then some. If Georgia gives up no yards of tw- runs of 20 yards or more, I think Georgia went, might win this game by two touchdowns. Oh, I don't know about that because they're so explosive. I, I hear what you're saying, but I just think they're so explosive on passing um, yeah, that they can that. still win by that, Alabama can still win this game and have 70 yards rushing. But see, going into this yeah, year, uh, Alabama fans were not real sold on Mac Jones, and if he huh, gets, they were wrong. I know, I know, but they they got the number one. He was also awesome last year. He was, he was, yeah, like he was the, but yeah. but here's the thing: if Georgia. Uh, and their front seven can hem up 
or even just control. We don't need minus one yard rushing like Tennessee had, but even just control Harris to keep him under 100, maybe it's 75 or something. Then Mac Jones, uh, all of his throwing lanes, kind of like what Tony was just saying, they're suddenly constrained a lot. And so then we get to see maybe they did have a beef. Maybe they did see something that of, of his limitations. We don't know yet because he's looked spectacular. But the question is there, and the question really begins, or that question is answered, with the front seven of the Georgia defense. I mean, I think we know what the early part of this game looks like. Um, we have seen Georgia struggle the first couple of series with long pass plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, this game can be 14-3 in a hurry, Alabama, because we have struck. We have a str- I mean, we, I mean, we've seen Arkansas, it. Arkansas, Tennessee, Tennessee. I mean, even even Auburn had a couple of deep strikes. I mean, no. we're able to hold them. I think you've forgotten how bad they played. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> stay with my narrative. Um, don't let facts get in the way of a good story. But um, the the thing that I mean, and look, also I think I know what Georgia wants to do. Georgia's going to try, come out and try to run the ball. They're going to try to draw those 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 guys in the back up. They're going to see if they can out-physical them. Kirby's nature is, I want to smack you in the mouth. Right? That's Kirby's, That's why we went forward on fourth and one with a 5'10 quarterback with, a, with <laughs> the worst design quarterback draw ever. He's going to show that you can. I show that I can. Right? Against Pruitt. He's going to want to show that he can against Saban. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? And... It could be, like I said, it could be 14-3 early. It could be. I don't think that means that that's the way the game ends up. I'm just saying that it doesn't surprise me in the least. Alabama takes a couple of shots deep downfield because it's open, and they score. It doesn't surprise me if we end up punting the first three times because, you know, we're slovenly beholden to running the football in the middle. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that, I mean, if that I, I agree that's a possibility. I, I feel like it's a bigger problem than you do if that's the way it starts. Because I, I don't know if I trust like like if if it gets to where it's fourteen three uh, and Alabama feels like everything they're doing is going downhill uh, every time they got the ball they've just got they're able to start gearing into that Alabama mode I, I I'm worried I, I I think that the same way in the same way that if that game starts the way the last week starts. I think that's exactly what you can't have happen. I don't trust yet, and maybe I'll be wrong. I sp- it took me like a year and a half to trust uh, Jake Fromm to be able to. <laughs> yeah, do this. that's true. That's true. Uh, Fair, but I don't trust Stetson Bennett for all as much fun as he is to watch. And and you name a pylon, he'll hit it. Like I love Stetson Bennett, but the idea if it's fourteen three and Alabama is starting to uh, get rolling a little bit for him to be the guy to pull you out of that. I don't know. I I, I, just, I I don't. I think you're in a tough spot if that happens. Oh, I don't. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I'm just saying, don't be surprised. If that's where we are, okay. um, because we. I mean, we've had three games in a row where early mm-hmm. we've given up long passes. And to me, I would assume that. I mean, I'm sure the coaching staff is all over this as well. I mean, the idea, of like, hey, like, and to me, that that was what's so interesting about what Kirby Smart talked about after the Tennessee game. He was definitely not. Way to go, guys! Your defense was so great. It was you do that crap again the for in in the first half against Alabama. You're going to lose this game by 20 points, and I, I think that's right. And uh, it, we have there have been three consecutive games where we've gotten uh, sorry two two out of the last two games. Excuse me, have been we're real antsy at halftime. We're real antsy going at halftime. Uh, can we answer this? Um, if, if they start out like Auburn, all right. But if they start out like Tennessee or they start out like Arkansas. I'm not sure they can uh, assert their will 
the way yeah, they were able to. Yeah, that. we're not going to crockpot Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> if we do, I fully expect the yeah. shutdown forecast to both acknowledge it and talk about it. Like, <laughs> if they don't, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, to me, that's the thing, right? Is that like, well, you, the reason you really started stomping Tennessee and Arkansas is you started getting turnovers. And you started like stopping it. Like, you started like, I mean, it's, it's turnovers and it's big impact plays. You just crushed them. Georgia is not, I, I don't care how good the Georgia defense is, they are not going to strangle Alabama like they strangled Tennessee. They're just not going to. No, I agree with you. Offensively, we did a couple things differently in each of those games. To and one of them was just simply changing the quarterback, the Arkansas game. But um, particularly Tennessee game, we did something different offensively in the second half, uh, which is we ran the ball outside more. Um, and we also involved Stetson a little more in the play action. I mean, we we it's ran a little more fun. We ran some. We, yes. we actually ran some RPOs. Yeah, true RPOs. And and I'm not, I'm not talking the ones about we kept keepers. yelling for Fromm to take no. the, exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Right. I mean that the the Stetson run was supposed to be a. I mean that really is a quick read. Run the ball in the middle. Get your four yards right. But Stetson was like, Nah, I'm going to run backwards three yards, and then I'm going to outrun. A four-star dude that played at Peachtree Ridge to the corner. Right? I mean, that, this is this is the exciting thing about Bennett, right? He's got a little bit of Barry Greenfield in him. <laughs> I mean, it is. Like, I don't mean to be down the guy. He's you know, there is something exciting about the fact that he takes those chances yeah. the way that Fromm never would. Yeah, there, that's the good part. The bad part is he's five eleven. No, he's no. Not, that's not the bad part. The bad part is it's like he's throwing some passes like. Woo, got away with one there. <laughs> yeah, and he um, won't get away with it in this game. He will not. Yeah. So, you know, I have um, – I'm going to say I've sat on this because there's been some reporting on this. So I've talked about Seth and Bennett from being from my hometown, talking about my dad, watching him. One of my closest friends in the world, a guy I grew up with, a guy who I literally lived with in Athens when he was on the home team here in Athens. Uh, John DuPont was the uh, – he's the play-by-play guy for WKUB in Blackshear, Georgia, who broadcast the Pierce County games, who which is where I – like started doing high school football on the radio, um, and Seth actually had the quote with him saying like, "Yeah, Stetson, we, you know, Stetson would freelance a lot, and I don't want him freelance, but he would like if nothing was there, he'd just take off and run because you know he can always get 15 yards, and we would get holding penalties because the they were like, oh, Stetson's running, we don't right, mm-hmm. um, Stetson is low key, low key quick. We saw it against Arkansas, we saw it yesterday." Now, I don't want it to come down to us having to have him run the ball 15 times. Um, but if if we get in a situation where he's got to run the ball to get a first down, I'm not I'm not afraid of him doing it. I think the other part about it when uh, when we're on offense and they're on defense is their defense is not the same Alabama defense. They still have a lot of speed, but let's not forget the Matt Corral and the the gang of folks that they've got out there uh, at, at Mississippi. Got almost 600 yards and 48 points on them. Now, part of that is Lane Kiffin throwing literally the kitchen sink at them. Um, but that also is, I mean, Scott's not wrong. Those those tight ends, there were drives where those tight ends were just like, I mean, wanting to call home, they were lonesome. That's how alone they were. They do that with a guy like Trey McKitty or Washington or Fitzpatrick, for that matter. We're going to eat their lunch. Now, that they won't do it every drive. But that's there, and we've seen Bennett be able to make those throws. This is, I mean, I I, I don't want to sound like I'm down to Bennett because I'm not. He is so fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> like he's so fun. I want like he is not 
like boring backup. Even even I mean, he's more fun than Fromm. <laughs> like he mm-hmm. is more fun than Fromm. I know. Yeah, like, and I don't love think it. No one would disagree with you. But you just got to be careful. And I got a stat for you that I got from Bear, you know, on uh, ESPN. Bear, the guy that does the picks. I've heard of him. Yeah. Um, Alabama's three and out rate on defense is the worst in the country at 8.8%. But it brings up an interesting point, right? right? Part of Georgia's strategy in this game has to be slow the game down, right? Even even if we're getting – we have to be okay. If it's 14-3 at the end of the first half, Mm -hmm. if Georgia has – it's 240 yards to 160 yards. And Georgia has... Look, at they're moving it. They're, they just have it scored. They're moving it all and keeping the... I mean, right now, Georgia leads the conference in time of possession. Alabama second to last in time of possession. So part of Georgia's strategy here is absolutely going to be a time of possession game. Because if, if we're holding the football, even if we're going... I mean, I don't expect us to have... I don't expect us to have 14-play, 7-minute... Right. 45 yard drives. We're not Navy, but um, I would expect Kirby to try to really mitigate the number of plays we run um, where we're running, we're, we're hurrying up, right? We're trying to shorten the game. Um, so that that's one of the things that, that made me think okay, 24, 27, 31. I mean, Lane Kiffin's never cared about the clock, right? I mean, he was they were literally running speed the entire time. He called a timeout for a field goal uh, yeah. late in the third quarter, fourth, and he President. really could have used that at the end of the yeah. game. But And that's why I'm thinking, like, I mean, look, Alabama scores 45 points. They're, they've just beat Horizon. There's no way around that. Um, I don't see us win a 48-45 game. I don't see how we can. That's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say it's Princeton beating Loyola Marymount. But it's a certain uh, like that's against the way Georgia wants to play. Yeah, that's well, a, that's, a, that's against what they right. want. That's against what they want. And look, Princeton, Loyola, Marymount. If, in, I assume in this situation, Georgia's Princeton. Yes. Um, I could see us winning a 27-24 game. Of course, this was our hope for LSU, right? Our hope for uh-huh. LSU was yeah. like, oh, Georgia will be able to – LSU's going to want to do that, <laughs> but Georgia's soon. not going to let him, and then LSU just did it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I went back and looked at last year's SP+, and I realized they aren't par for par. So the difference between Georgia's defensive SP+, and um, this year and last year is three points. The difference between Alabama's SP+, they're number one in the nation right now, in LSU's was two points. But the difference between Georgia and LSU last year in that SEC championship game was in the neighborhood of nine points. Right now, it's two points between Georgia and LSU because Georgia's D- offense is they're in the top 20 at 30 in SP, but they're really close to the top 15. Uh, because there's so much compression there. And also, literally, LSU did that against everyone yes. all year, start to finish. Yes, <laughs> they did. And Alabama has played some... Um, like a Clemson team that was better than Georgia. They just did that to them as well. Of course they did. <laughs> In a lot of ways, the Ohio State team would have done better against LSU than Clemson did. Uh, so, Alabama's played some specious defenses. Um, did I use specious right? I, I have like no that. idea. Um, shady. 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 Oh, shady. Okay. They're, they're, they have played some defenses that are um, have given up a lot of points. I realize Texas A&M just beat Florida, but they just they won what 38-38 or 38-35, 38-31, whatever it was. Uh, three points. Um, okay. Uh, 
you know, uh, Alabama also played Mississippi, who got all the yards. <laughs> um, you know, they – and and again, I'm not saying – we can get to the end of the season and Alabama has an Alabama defense. Their defense right now looks, and if not suspect, certainly like not as great as it has been. And their offense right now, again – it, uh, they have feasted off of mid-SEC defenses. We could still lose this game. We could literally still lose this game 41-27. That's a thing that could happen. If it does, it does. Um, it's just that I'm not, I'm not convinced that's where we are. Well, is this uh, the part where... Uh I get into some trivia. Yeah, I think so. And then we do fun office I think that, that was a very, that was a rigorous, fun conversation. Well, yeah, it's, it and, always is. And it's like we've been doing this for two hours, but only recording for one. Because yeah. <laughs> we have. That's yeah, by the way, our Brave scoring update, 7-3 Braves, seven, bottom two of the Two running eight. over of course. Yeah, of course, yeah. The the Darren O'Day experience continues. Oh, is he, was he the one that gave it up? I assume it was. That's who he was at the beginning. That's who it was at the beginning of the, the inning, so... How about last night's game with Melanson catching Albie's home run ball while he was in between warm-up pitches in the bullpen? Did you see that? I, was, I didn't know. I went to bed, man. <laughs> I am I am not in my 40s. I can't stay up that late. All right, so I have some Georgia-Alabama trivia. Go figure. Shocked. Um, and I don't know if this is newsworthy or, or actually trivia that y'all don't know, or maybe it's too obscure. I don't know, but it's just something I came up with. Um, so there's a few questions here. No particular order. Okay. So here's question number one. Much has been made of Georgia's 2007 overtime win versus Alabama, but what was Bama's record in 2007? Like, you know, the reason why I say that is, like, we put so much, I guess, like like a blue check mark. You get a blue ribbon. We, we still talk about that. We still see the Stafford throw to Henderson and, and Mike Patrick talking about Britney Spears to Todd Blackledge. Um, so this is the funniest freaking announcement thing. I'm going to go with nine and three. I think it was six and six. Are we counting post-bowl? Post sure. Seven and six? Seven and six. Wow. They were four and four in the SEC. But were they? Because they had to vacate some wins. They were really two and six after they vacated wins. That was that was Kirby's first for, for Nick Saban and Kirby's yes. first year. Yes, Saban's first year. Yeah, yeah. I guess Kirby was there with yeah. him then. He just wasn't the defensive coordinator. But. Yeah. And I gave this. I just gave this away. But my next question was: Who were the ESPN play-by-play <laughs> and uh, uh, color analysts for the 2007? I was. I had just started dating. I've been dating Alexa for about five or six months at that point. Yeah. And I went to a friend's bachelor party at the Penthouse Club. In New York nice, City. and uh, it was very nice. He was. I say nice. I've was, never been there. You don't uh, know it was me. The, uh, they have terrific steak, an outstanding steak, and they had that. We were all watching that game, and um, and and we had the audio on, and literally the whole party stopped when the Britney. Someone's like, "Wait, did he just wait? What just? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what? I wonder what Britney's up to these days. Oh my god, what? Well, to be fair, she had just shaved her head and was losing her mind. I uh, listen. Th- that's a first quarter observation. <laughs> That is not a closing drive observation. And Blackledge's response is so awesome. He's like, what, what does that have what? to do with anything what? at all? He's like, Blackledge really saying. was like, what? It's Mike Patrick. But <laughs> Blackledge was like, what? Yeah. I, I, will, I was watching that game with our, our friend Paul mm-hmm. and uh, our friend Dave Johnson mm-hmm. in, in Illinois at our house. And uh, 
I've gotten 13 years worth of mileage off of that. Well, oh. I wonder what Britney's doing with her life. That's just amazing. I was okay. still running Deadspin at that game. That's how long ago that game was. Uh, it used to be a good site. Yeah. It, used to be, it, used to, it died. It died. It died. It's, it's no longer. I feel like sometimes I leave Will out of these because I assume <laughs> that he knows what happened in 2007 for Georgia trivia. So Will's this, a smart guy. This question is directly directed towards Will. No. Will, on the same day as Georgia-Alabama of September 22nd, 2007, Illinois won 27-14 to at the other Memorial Stadium in the Big Ten. Uh, is that uh, Nebraska? No, wait, no. Nebraska is also Memorial Stadium. It is, but uh, but they weren't in the Big Ten yet. So the other the other Memorial Stadium. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'll just go through these. Um, wait, is it Indiana? That's Indiana. Yeah, it's Indiana. They beat Indiana, uh, and also this is a FWIW. Uh, that was the last time Illinois beat Ohio State was in the year two thousand seven. That was incredible. That was the year. See, you yes, see, here we you, go. You're enjoying it now. Yes. Now this is a fun story for you guys. Right. But, but it, it turned was out not ruining good. everything. It did ruin everything. Illinois won at uh, they won at Ohio State that year and ended up. Uh, Ohio Georgia State. did not get their USC Georgia Rose Bowl match. Correct. Uh, because uh, Illinois, because Ohio State was already <clears throat> set to go and it not and Illinois beating them knocked them down. Fun piece of trivia: Who did Georgia play the day that Illinois beat Ohio State? I don't know. That was the Auburn blackout game. Oh. The only reason I remember that is we were playing the championship of the Illinois Law School softball league that night. <laughs> it was like 44 degrees. I brought a TV out <laughs> because it was a blackout so game. So you had a satellite with you, right? Uh, no, it was, it was champagne. We had a local yeah. TV. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, you know, also, in other places, we care there, about places other are than our, our, There's our, TV. our region. There's so. CBS station and ABC station. Yeah. So while Georgia... But you think in Illinois, they just don't? They're like, oh, this is an SEC game. Let's let's show, let's show our corn detasseling championships <laughs> instead of that. By the way, they also showed that. And um, no, no, we watched, we watched the Georgia-Auburn game uh, in between games. They're... The fields over in Urbana, out past, before you get to whatever the strip club was on that street. <laughs> oh, I don't uh, know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. Um, but, the silver uh, bullet. The silver bullet, my baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we uh, we watched, and people wanted to switch over from Georgia-Auburn. Oh, what like, did you I, do? I was, like, ready to fight people. Uh, people wanted to switch at the end of Georgia-Auburn because Illinois-Ohio State was starting, and that game was a, I think that game was a night game. Yeah. Uh, or maybe like yeah. Georgia, Georgia at two thirty. Yeah, sorry, two thirty Central, and that game started like four or three thirty yeah. Central or whatever yeah. it was on ABC. Um, they want to switch over. I was like, Nah, we're we're going to watch the end of this because. And then Ohio State lost to Illinois. It was kind of a. It's kind still, of, I mean, it's kind Ohio of a big State, night that night. Ohio State was number one in the country. It is still generally considered the biggest win of the last that's fifty years, forty yeah, years, yeah. forty fifty years. Someone needs yeah. to write a book. On the 2007 college football season because it we was all remember, insane. Of course, who Illinois coach was in 2007? Ron Zook. Ron Zook. Ron, yeah. Ron Zook. I have a, but I, I don't want to go down this. Wait, hole, didn't he have a? What I saw, I saw one of his coaching staff. It was like a SEC guy that was on his staff. That's like currently somewhere. I can't. Somebody, you're thinking somebody, about, somebody you're thinking about that Vic Cooning. No. Vic so, so here's the thing. That year, Vic Cooning was a stud. Vic Cooning. Vic Cooning. We thought we were getting him at Georgia. Oh, I remember and that. Illinois hired him, and I kid you not, I'm riding up fourth, third, whatever it is that goes from athletic administration up past Memorial Stadium. I am in the second lane there, 
Ron Zook and Vic Caney are in the car. They are not talking to each other. Ron Zook is looking out one window. Vic Caney is looking at the other. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening right now. It's just amazing. It was Mike Loxley. Mike Loxley. Loxley. Oh, yeah, Loxley. Was, was the yeah. OC yeah. at Alabama and is now at Maryland. Yeah, but he was OC at for Zook, right? Yeah, and because he, yeah. he got the job at New Mexico. Right, he got the yeah, that, that's right. Exploded, right. So, but Caney, Caney got fired this year because turned out he's racist. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, I didn't mean to derail us, but that was a fun little walk down memory lane from 2007. Also, you talked about somebody needs to write a book on that. There is a fantastic Bill Connolly whole series on the old school SB Nation about the 2007 season being. Boston College was number one that year. Kansas, yeah. It was crazy. Rutgers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy year. And then Georgia finished second or third in the nation. Yeah. And a two loss. Was that the year two loss? Two loss LSU won. Yeah, that that whole West Virginia Pittsburgh game. God, that game. I don't know. I got so destroyed in the Rose Bowl by USC. And that year started out with a Big Ten channel starting out with App State beating that's Michigan. Right. Yes, that's just right. the craziest year. That's right. Yeah, and I include I include that with COVID this year. Duh. Right. All right, uh, a couple more trivia questions. Bama gave up 647 yards to Old Miss. La- Old Miss added a D. We'll go with that. Old Miss last week. <laughs> For comparison's sake, how many yards did Georgia give up to LSU and Joe Burrow in the 37-10 to loss in the SEC championship game? Hold on. Oh, God, I saw this the other day. 6-11. No, it was like 375, thereabout. 481. 481, yeah. So just to compare. I have a... I have 166 written in parentheses, but I have no idea what it means. That's probably the number of Russian yards. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right, last one. This is a staple on our uh, – we've probably done this question every time we play Alabama. Name the six locations and cities that Georgia and Alabama has okay. been played in. We're you, let's, start. Let's you start. You start. Okay. Um, uh, Athens. Tuscaloosa. Atlanta. Uh, let's see. Columbus. That's correct. <laughs> um, You're Birmingham. Up. That's correct. One uh, more. That's only five. Yeah, there's one, one more. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, hold on, it's going to be something wacky. I'm going to say Montgomery. That's correct. All right. Yeah, so three cities in Alabama and three in Georgia. What have you said about Columbus before? You just assume. No, that's why I threw Columbus out there. It's like, you know what? If you don't know an answer for a place where a football game has been played if, prior, to, prior to the war, <laughs> Columbus. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I played a football game in Columbus. I'm sure you did. Greater Atlanta Christian versus Jordan High School. Uh yeah, we got beat pretty bad. I, th- yeah. I thought that was the game from Remember the Titans. So I was waiting for those two <laughs> things to merge. Did, did I tell you I was in Remember I, the you Titans? Did. You wait a minute. Wait, I've seen the video. You remember the Titans, not um, not the the movie about Marshall. Yeah, that's correct. correct. I was with Denzel, not Matthew. So you were not McConaughey's arm double? No. Okay. No. He's got really short arms. I didn't know that. That's what I heard. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Where was I going to go from here? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. hard to say. I've been you podcasting. Yeah, we got we have fun office pools. We did trivia. Surely we're so talking about jersey. Fun office, office pools. Pool. Yeah, there was one other thing. That's okay. It'll, it'll We've come been here in. a long time. We'll just blast right. That's there. true. We have. All right, let's go through the fun office pools. <laughs> he's going to over. He's he's going to look at his notes at the end of the night and, and be like, "Oh right," he'll text me, "Will you have cancer?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, you should have mentioned that." <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I would tell you face-to-face. <laughs> I mean, you forgot it. You had it in your notes, and you just couldn't find it. All right, so let's start with fun office pools. Do you want to Do you want the, to check the standings first? 
I mean, I'm always up if for you checking standings because right. I'm pretty let's high. Ch- let's check the standings first. This the overall season standings. Uh, Aladal is uh, in first with 166 points, yeah. 11 points in the lead. Yeah. Um, we've got Chris in Vegas in third place, Dog in Austin, UGA Swag, and then Tony Waller. Uh, 16 points off the lead with a 25 and 13 record, 150 points. I'm looking for Maggie Waller. She must have dropped off. She did. She didn't do well. Oh, she's uh, 24th. She's yeah. uh, 22 and 16. Then Will Leach in 29th place, 23 and 15. All right, let's go ahead and make our picks. <laughs> Should get, get Missouri and uh, Vanderbilt off of there. And, yeah, uh, all right. And, I'm, uh, I mean, let's go ahead and pick Florida LSU, though. I think we should. But I don't know. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, hard to say. Hard well, to say. let's start. Let's have a, a palate cleanser first. Let's go with uh, Georgia State versus Arky State. That's a Friday game, I believe, correct? Friday? Thursday, yeah. Thursday. 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 Okay. Yeah, if you, Prince, if you're listening, you should pick the games before Thursday. Yes. Georgia State. Assume this guy gets us out. I mean, it's Sunday night. Mm. <laughs> Sunday. Tuesday night. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I'm taking G-State. Yeah, give me George State. I'll go with the Panthers as well. All right, Cincy versus Tulsa. Two boring teams, but Cincy's somehow ranked eighth. Is it, did they did they take Ohio State's spot because they're not playing yet? No, Ohio or? State is in the top ten. That's not right. Yeah, you know, Luke, North Carolina is five. Luke, dude, Luke, <laughs> like, Luke Fickle's got the Bearcats They haven't playing. started playing. Uh, Luke Fickle's with... Oh, he's, he's the coach. Of coach yeah. I thought it was Tommy Tuberville. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's too soon. Uh, all right, so who you got, Cincy or Tulsa? I put this game on there because uh, Tulsa has played really, really good football. They beat UCF. That's true. Um, thank you. And thank you. Um, it I, is so weird that North Carolina – I'm sorry, that North Carolina is five. Yeah. Just, that, like, you just kind yeah. of blew me They're away. Cra- They're coming okay. crashing back. Sorry, now. go ahead. I was I, waiting for your Mac, Mac Brown, Brown joke. It's Mac Brown factor. Um, I still think Larry Fedora should wear a fedora. So well, I thought, he's not coaching there anymore. I thought Matt Brown catch plane or something like that. Isn't that a, isn't that a well, thing? Well, all their games were at noon, so he didn't have a catch <laughs> plane. Uh, he'll take the train. The um, I give me the Bearcats. I'm going to um, take the Golden Hurricane. I'm going to take the Bearcats as well. Remember the Golden Hurricane, as mentioned in my podcast with R.J. Young, who lives in Tulsa, uh, the People Selling Books podcast. There is a reason that the hurricane is in uh, the the mascot is in fact a tornado. And I always thought the reason was because you can't personify a hurricane, but you can personify a tornado. But in fact, they actually were once called the tornadoes. You disappointing. Just drop RJ Young in there like nothing. RJ is great. I did not know him, and he's great. Yeah, fan, fantastic guy. Yeah. All right, Central Florida at Memphis. That's probably a good game. Yeah, I'm taking Memphis. I am taking Central Florida. I'm going to take Central Florida. I need the points. I need the win. I think they're going to win. And now to the SEC. One, two, three, four, five, six games. Oh, Not yeah. seven. Yeah, Vandy and uh, Missouri are off the board. Texas A&M trying to avoid what's happened to their opponent the past couple weeks. Playing Mississippi State. You know, have the big win. And then you, sc- you end up scoring two points versus Kentucky. I'm starting to I'm starting to think that maybe uh, the Mississippi State uh, experiment is experiment. over. It's not over, but it's just like this is. I mean, this is the worry about him in the SEC, right? Is the idea that you'd come in and be like, yeah, but this is like the this is the grown ups now, and that thing that you want to work will just stop it. Yeah, and it kind of looks like that might be happening now. Yeah, I mean, look, Mississippi State's getting the Mike Leach experience, uh, which normally takes five years, or getting it in one season. <laughs> Um, so give me A and M, but I do think they are better than the twenty-four-two they showed against Kentucky. 
I think I think State gets it gets it right because I don't I don't believe A and M yet. I don't that believe Jimbo. That would be spectacular. A and M beats Florida and then loses to Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah nice love it. All right, then uh, speaking of Mississippi schools, we got Mississippi and Lane going to Arkansas. This this is this is the official like two teams that are a little better and more fun than we thought they were going to sure. be uh, coming into, into this year. Uh, I this does feel like a a game where you're like, okay, then we can get them all excited and get them all going. They're still not quite. They're still the team that everyone assumed was maybe the, was the worst team in the SEC coming into this year. Uh, I'm up on Mississippi. I'm taking Mississippi. Um, I, I'm going to take Mississippi too, but this is like. In a funny way, this is like Georgia Alabama light. Um, very light. Right? Very light. Very light. <laughs> right. Um, I, I'm taking Mississippi but just because I don't think. If, look, we'll pick Georgia Alabama in a minute. If you're not sold on Georgia Alabama to, to score enough points to beat, um, hold, hold Alabama enough points and score enough points to beat Alabama, uh, you certainly can't think that Arkansas is going to score enough points or prevent enough points against Mississippi. I take Mississippi. Yeah, I think Mississippi, and they're going to throw a backwards pass on fourth and twenty-five to convert. Yeah, we should we shouldn't talk about that, but man, Sam Pittman got Rogered, and then the and then the SEC is like, yeah, so and right, it it was terrible. LSU, Florida, is that going to be played? Uh, remains to be seen. Um, I'm, I mean, I picked LSU to win this game earlier, so why not now? I mean, Bo Pelini gets fired if they don't. Oh, man. Um, let's just think about, by the way, another reason we should be happy that Kirby Smart is the coach of this team and not Dan Mullen. Like, the idea, Jeez. like, just take a step back from it. This is, this, is, this is just a little reminder for football coaches, a reminder that you live in the real freaking world. And what you say matters to people. Like, the idea, like, Mullen, like, if, if the only interaction you have with COVID is man, I want my ninety thousand fans because there was too loud at the Texas A and M game. I want them at my game. Like, dude, like pull it. To, like, I have to say, I have never been less concerned about Florida than I was when he said that. Never minding the fact that Florida, then of course is having their COVID cases. But the idea, like, listen, do I think that Kirby Smart uh, ha- ha- would love to have a bunch of fans for a, to have a perspective to have an advantage? In his games, he wants to win games. Like like Blizzard Brain, a part of Kirby Smart's. Like I just want a big crowd advantage so I can win. But whether he actually believes that in a practical sense, he knows he's not stupid enough to actually say it. Like the idea to be so flippant and so like even if you think, even if you actually think, great, now that DeSantis is letting ninety thousand people in, I want that. Even if you actually think that. To say that and to say it in the heat of the moment, not because you want the fan base, but because, oh, man, Texas A&M, there's too many people there. We should have 90,000 at ours. Like, there was 22,000 people there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absurd. And, th- again, the fact that Florida had the COVID cases is independent of this because I would have said that before that. It certainly feels like a little bit of the universe reminding you that you don't know anything. But Kirby Smart has been consistently from the get-go, and they asked him at his press conference today about the Florida thing. He's like, it's just a reminder, this could happen at any time, and mm-hmm. you have to be constantly vigilant. 
Dan Mullen wouldn't say anything like that. He was just like, me want fans! Me want fans! Uh, I, it made me happy, and I've been very critical of Kirby Smart many times on this podcast. It made me so happy in a human sense, and just having an actual professional adult in charge that Kirby Smart would never say anything like that. Uh, it made me very happy uh, to say that. I'm picking, I'm picking LSU because I want the universe to continue to punish Dan Mullen for that. Yeah, my Bianchi broke up with uh, Dan Mullen this week, so I have to. You know, and there's also uh, a shout-out shout out to the 7-6 Apparel. They have a great shirt. Uh, Chase Kelly has a shirt with Dan Mullen's face and a clown nose on it. Um, so go, go buy one of those. I'm getting my consortium. You have to, oh, yeah, you can't go consortium without UT shirt this week. I can't That's wait. Right. <laughs> I, 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 in all seriousness, like, like if, it makes me think that Dan Mullen is not actually, like, there's a reckoning coming. At some point, that like the things that he's supposedly building, for him to be so stupid as to say something like that after a loss. Again, not just because we want to get the football experience back and we think it's good for the community, but just to say their fans were too loud, I want more fans. To be so flippant about something like this was... It reminded me of when Muschamp said, made that comment about uh, DJ Durkin. It was just like, dude, like there, this is more than just whatever is on your stupid football brain right now. It made me very happy that Georgia does not have a coach that does that. I mean, I hope Dan Mullen's coaching there in 26, so. Speaking of Will Muschamp, he hosts Auburn this weekend. Uh, South Carolina got a big win versus Vandy in the rain over the weekend, and uh, Auburn got a big, uh, we already mentioned it, a big gift from the SEC referees. Auburn's going to beat their eyes in. Yeah, sad to say. That was a nice little, you know what, he'll always have that Vanderbilt game. Yeah, he will. That was that was that the platonic ideal of a South Carolina game, right? Like that's yeah. what he's been trying to build yeah. the entire time. It works against Vanderbilt in the rain. Yeah, my only hope is my only hope is because of COVID they don't fire him because I need him to coach at South Carolina six more years too. There's a lot of coaches like that you've you've been talking about Malzahn, Muschamp, Mullen. Yeah, because Mike Leach. We get the Mike Leach experience yeah, I mean, later in I, Athens. Like, I don't the West is whatever, but. Um, yeah, I'm fine with – I mean, there's only one coach in, in the East that scares me right now, and that's, that's Pruitt. It's but, just in, – in, in all honesty, like even – like just getting about this again, like like the – like even with – I know we're all laughing about Pruitt's mask, but like <laughs> that's what a dipshit does. Well, you get, like, you get COVID through the ear holes. <laughs> like, like honestly, like how would you feel – if Kirby Smart showed oh, your man. coach showed up for a game with that, like how would you feel about it? like 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 I don't want to oversee this, but like that's like the dumb one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it was not and, great. And, the memes were great. Yeah, and it's funny because he's not my team's coach, but like the idea of never minding just how stupid you look, but just like. You know, there is actually, like, a huge virus going around the country. We should all feel very, very fortunate that we get any football at all. And listen, Kirby Smart gets really fired up, and sometimes he doesn't. He forgets to put his mask on. And he, But, like, he's clearly trying. And the idea that, like, so many of these coaches are actively just, like, this is the, the stupidest thing in the world, just remind me once again how glad I am that Kirby Smart's the coach of this team. Agreed. And also, by the way, I think Stoops. Uh, it's, it's not that I'm not afraid of Stoops. I think Stoops a great coach for Kentucky. They're just not going to recruit in a level to beat Georgia consistently. And we'll see about Drinkowitz, but they showed some fire. Right? Oh yeah, beating LSU. Uh, speaking of Kentucky, they go to Knoxville. 
Good. Kentucky, Kentucky, fun. Kentucky, Tennessee games this week. Oh my god! It's a noon kickoff, so we get to watch the in its entirety if you want to. I I think I might be napping. Oh yeah, (laughs) I mean, there's. I'm I'm cooking a brisket Saturday. I'm getting up at five, so yeah, I'll be napping. But I got. I mean, I have to pick Tennessee as much as I hate to. Um, I just think Tennessee's got a little too much for Kentucky. I I agree, but. I mean, this would it'd be something. It could be a tasty game. game. Yeah. All right. Well, that takes us to the Georgia versus Alabama game. Um, first time in T-Town in 13 years. This will be the 70th matchup. Figure before I made my pick, this is what I was trying to get to right after we finished the trivia. I was wondering why it was so low you know when you're playing Auburn all these years and you know you've got all these matchups versus Kentucky or Tennessee even even Tennessee but you've been playing in the same conference for all these years that's that's basically what I was getting to but um there's an interesting uh side to this in 1963 the Saturday Evening Post magazine reported that Alabama coach Paul Bear Bryant and Georgia athletic director and former coach Wally Butts had conspired to fix the 1962 game the one that Alabama won 35 nothing, And after the story broke, Wally Butts resigned as athletic director, but Butts and uh, Bear Bryant both denied the allegations, of course. The two sued the magazine's publisher for libel, and in the case, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. It was the United States Supreme Court, um, Curtis Publishing Company versus Butts. Uh-huh. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of Butts. First case, yeah. With the publisher eventually being ordered to pay more than $3 million, this is in the 60s, in damages, the lawsuit has been credited with leading to the end of the Saturday Evening Post. Yeah. And because of the scandal, the schools decided to end their annual series after the 65 meeting, and they only played sporadically, including just four meetings from 71 to 82. So that's part of the reason why this is the 70th matchup and not somewhere in the 80s or 90th matchup. Having said all that, thanks to the history lesson, Georgia's lost five in a row. It's widely known that they've lost five in a row in this matchup. But as I tend to do, I want to find that glass that's sitting on my table, and I want to say that's half full, not half empty. And so I've been telling my boys all week who have never experienced well, one of them has, but he was an infant. Never experienced a Georgia victory over Alabama because Georgia has a two-game win streak in Tuscaloosa. The first time they ever won was 0-2, and then they backed it up in 7 So uh, that's that's the way I'm kind of leaning towards this. And really, you know, all of the, the, the head-scratching and the gnashing of teeth, I mean, I made a video about it. Will wrote an article about it, that 2018 National Championship game. It's just one of those things where I'm putting that to the past. I'm I'm not going to sit there and rehash horrible memories of of what's happened in, in previous Alabama matchups, like the blackout uh, when we lost 41 to 30, or the 2015 game and the pouring down rain, where Nick Chubb did have a nice, like think 85 yard run that nobody saw at the end of the third quarter in that game. But I saw it. Yeah, <laughs> Tony saw. It. I didn't see it because it was pouring down rain. Um, and you know me with. Brain. Yeah, n- never mind. Um, 
I, I think it was either Tony or Will. It wasn't anybody else because there's nobody else in this podcast. But I think y'all said earlier that this could be in the 20s. And if it is in the 20s, that uh, Georgia might have a good chance. And I think that's what it's going to be. I think the defense is going to hold true. I think it's going to be spotty at times, maybe in the second or third quarter. Uh, it gets a little sloppy. And then Mac Jones is able to find Jalen Waddell or Mitchie or maybe Najee Harris has one of those uh, patented uh, long you know power runs. It seems like they have like an Eddie Lacy or a, or a Najee Harris every year, one of those guys. But I do think that Georgia pulls it out with the mailman delivering the mail in the fourth quarter and Georgia wins the game 28-24. Wow. All right. I I feel like I said this a little bit with with Auburn. Um, With all the weird circumstances of this year and with, you know, Georgia losing their guy they thought they were going to be the starting quarterback with the new offensive coordinator three weeks or four weeks before the season starts, this is a game I wish happened a little later. Uh, is an issue with it in that uh, right now this the question is is this Alabama offense the LSU offense as you kind of touched to earlier I don't think so I don't think Mac Jones is good he is not Joe Burrow Uh, but I would argue that Alabama has more offensive talent around him and I definitely have a running back Um, the question to me though I think Georgia can slow down Alabama's offense without necessarily stopping it the question is, do I trust I trust Stetson Bennett to make some pretty awesome plays that we're not expecting and we get really excited. We're like, that's our guy. That's our guy. I also expect him to push it once or twice and it costs him. And uh, that's the concern. Uh, I think some of this stuff can be cleaned up at the end of the year. Um, but I do think the offense is not there yet. So I think... Uh, I think Georgia's defense plays really well, but I don't think the offense as currently constructed is efficient enough, and Stetson Bennett is uh, gutsy, and he'll make a couple awesome plays that will get me really pumped up, but I don't trust him not to make a mistake uh, that uh, that wouldn't cost him against Arkansas or Tennessee or Auburn, but will cost him against Alabama. Uh, I agree. I think it's lower scoring, but I'm going to take... Alabama 28, Georgia 20. If Georgia's to win this game, they have to do two things. They have to do them well. First off, they have to control the clock. That's just my opinion. I mean, I, I just don't think we can get a shootout with them. In order to control the clock, we have to be able to run the ball well. Um, or we have to make short passes. Um, the other thing we have to do, it's counterintuitive to this, is we've got to take some shots. And the shots we've seen have all been either either under throws that have resulted in pass interference calls or just like almost like throwaway plays. Um, I agree with Will that we're going to see some plays out of Stetson Bennett and we get the end of this game. Everybody's going to be talking about Stetson Bennett differently than they talk about him now. Having said that, I what concerns me about this is that Alabama's offense is just so much I mean they just score so quickly they're able to put the ball in places Mac Jones is able to put the ball in places that is uh, it's just stunning right, what they're able to do with it um, do not be surprised we get into this game and George's SP plus numbers are exactly the same offense might, goes up, might go up a little bit um, 
I think ultimately because I think what's going to happen is we're going to get up a couple of scores early. We're going to play catch up. Um, the narrative probably is going to be at the end of this. Um, well, there's Georgia just can't quite get there, but I, I have a hard time seeing, I see past the victory of this game for Georgia, but for this game in particular, based on where we are with the offense, um, if we can't keep Alabama under 27 points, we can't win. I think they score 31. I think we score 28. And, uh, which sets up a really interesting conversation for Sunday and probably for the SEC championship game. I was realizing I forgot to say the thing that I have said on every single one of our Georgia-Alabama podcasts, which is I will believe that Georgia beats Alabama when, when we Georgia beat beats right. Alabama. It's, it's, it's funny you said that because I told somebody I work with, I, I said that very thing the other day. It's like, it's like I until we beat them, I can't predict we'll beat them. Yeah. Like, is there a 4-4 pass where Georgia beats Alabama? Yeah. Is it out of the realm of possibilities that Georgia beats Alabama? Is it within, totally within the, is it 55-45, Yeah. But even though I'm not afraid of this game, um, I just think right now that, look, we score, we score 35 points, we win this game. Period. I, I think, I firmly believe that. But I don't think we can hold them under 27 and I think we score 28. And if that's where we are, I've got to pick Alabama. All right. Well, so I feel like one we're out of two or one out of three. One out of three. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, been a long I'm right night. here, Scott. Yeah. Um, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I feel more – not that I wasn't fired up for this game, but it, I think there has been a – there's a lot going on right now. Yeah. That, uh, uh, but I think that uh, I, I, this is going to be – I mean, come on, man. It's – Georgia at Alabama, eight o'clock on a October night. It's going to be something. I don't think there's any question about that. Look, you're you're welcome at me about this, and I realize that uh, I'm not quite the Homer Scott is. I'm just trying to be realistic and protect my feelings, <laughs> uh, and understand that. Um, look, I, I love Stetson Bennett. I, I think this could be a coming out game for him. Frankly, I think we could lose even as a coming out game, um, but. It's gonna. I think it's gonna be a fun football game. Uh, I think it's going to be. I don't. I don't see it a blowout either way, um, which means it probably will be. But uh, whatever. It's fun. It's it's eight o'clock Saturday night, and uh, while we're not getting to go to Tuscaloosa, and I still don't get to go to Tuscaloosa, never been. I mean, it's, I mean, it's right off I twenty. You could it's, probably I could go. I, I Have you ever the been there? You never been? I've never been. Yeah. I looked at tickets. I seriously looked at tickets, but I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't pull the trigger. I mean, you've never been to the city of Tuscaloosa. I've never been on I twenty. Um, I guess west of Birmingham. So, yeah, yeah. The closest I've been to Tuscaloosa is one went to Oxford. Also, just to uh, let you know how the uh, where just to put a yeah, sense I've, of I've been looking at that on uh, where we are at this particular moment. Uh, just know that. Uh, Cody Ballinger's hit two run home. No way. Eight to seven, bottom of the ninth. Eight to seven. Oh, he double? Huh? Oh, I thought he homered. No, oh, no he triples. triples. Oh, yeah. oh, man. Yeah. There's two outs. Uh, there's, there's two, two outs. outs. <gasps> yeah, oh, yeah Melanson has not. <laughs> you may want to cut this out, but. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Is it on in there? It started eight to three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it started eight to three in this half. Yeah. So. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. And it was an Albie's error. That, yep, uh, Albie's error. Allowed they got to get yeah. on. So. And now it's AJ Pollock. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Uh, you can cut that part out because obviously who cares? Whatever. Shocked. But um, all right, gentlemen, uh, enjoy the game Saturday night. And hey, uh, let's see what happens. It's George, Alabama. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, hey, everybody, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. And thank you to our podcast partners, El Barrio, the Pine Bar, and the Pub on Main for supporting this episode. Make sure to tweet us photos while you're there, picking up food, dining in, or otherwise. Also, don't forget about doing all of your beer runs at Five Points Bottle Shop or the North Side or West Side Bottle Shops located here in Athens, Georgia. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at WSLS Podcast, and we'll be interactive this weekend during the game. We'll be back on Sunday with our Georgia versus Alabama postgame show, but let's just hope it's a happy one that we have to do together on Sunday so then y'all can be happy. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and we'll see you on campus sometime soon. And, as always, go dogs. <laughs>